Welcome into our post-game podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson. Here today, Nebraska lost 21-13 to Northwestern. I don't have a lot of kind things to say, Brian. Um, I felt like that was not a game that's indicative of a program that should be in its third year under the same coaching staff. Uh, I felt like I don't want to hear phrases like culture and buy-in, mental toughness. I felt like, you know, for a a team where a lot of the the concern was, can they get enough stops down the stretch to win a game? It was the offense that once again has shown that it is incapable of finishing off drives once inside the 20. Yeah. Uh, it feels like Groundhog Day. Um, I mean, I, I, I understand where Husker fans are at right now because this is a type of game where once in a while it would happen, you'd say, well, that's just bad fortune. You know, that's just a tough Saturday where you're moving the ball, but you can't finish. But it has become a theme, and uh, it's pretty discouraging. And, I, I mean, you can step back from the ledge a little bit and say, look, Nebraska's played two games. And they've played two pretty good – they played one great football team and they played one really solid football team in Northwestern. Um, and there's that optimistic part of you that says, you know, they out-yarded Northwestern 442 to 317. They – I think – let's see. On first down, average gain, it was 5.9 to 4.1 for Nebraska. There's a lot of numbers that look good for the Huskers. They caused a couple turnovers. The defense played – pretty good. They played winning football, I thought. Uh, but people don't want to hear that at this point, And I get it. I mean, they, they want to see when you get down to the 25 yard line, finish the final 25 yards, you know, let find a way to get it in the end zone. And uh, that's the part uh, that makes you shake your head. And it has Scott Frost and his staff shaking its head because uh, to, to Frost credit, he put it all on himself after the game and as a head coach should do. Uh, but this is uh this is a tough uh, – this is going to be a tough one to swallow. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, I, I think what makes it difficult if you're a Nebraska fan uh, is that you're, you're looking at a team that is good enough to win more games than they have. And you're now in the third year of this kind of thing where they're just giving games away. And I thought they outplayed Northwestern today. I thought Nebraska's defense played really well. Uh, they gave up two touchdowns in the second half. Each of those drives was a shortened field because of a, a special teams miscue or two that on, on the kickoff coverage. And, you know, they weren't able to get some pivotal stops on third down at times. But for the most part, they really took offense away from Northwestern. I mean, Northwestern only ran for 3.9 yards a carry. I think they only threw for like 149 yards. Peyton Ramsey as good as he was in Lincoln last year, he really struggled at times today. And Nebraska did a nice job. They forced two big turnovers. They converted those into points. Uh, I I thought that they played well enough to win. And yet again, it's a scenario where the offense just could not even be halfway competent at times once they got inside the 25. And I just think that we've seen this play out enough times with this group and with this staff that it really makes you wonder what they can't see on film to self-diagnose their own ales inside the red zone. Because it, it, and it's not just the red zone. 
It's every time the field gets small. When Nebraska has to get one or two yards, they're not particularly good in those situations. They've gotten better at converting some of them. But you look again today, they got inside that five-yard line uh, a couple different times. They had the touchdown from Dedrick Mills, and then on that next possession, or not next possession of the game, but the next time they were that close, there's a, a immediate run that went for a loss followed by an interception off of the helmet of an offensive lineman. Like, it's just it, – it's kind of baffling – their inability to play better when the field gets small. And I, I'm just curious if you have any theories uh, just from what you've watched over the last three years, because this isn't a new thing. And I think that ha- is part of where Nebraska fans are really frustrated. Like you're supposed to be fixing these things as they happen. You're in your third year and this is commonplace. Yeah. I mean, some of this, you got to put on the O-line a little bit. Uh, when you get down there, um, that should be a, a spot where this is a strength of your team. And I know they're without Cam Jurgens today, and I think that hurt them. But that should be the part of your team where, you know, on first and 10, after you've had some successful plays and you're down at the 11-yard line, you don't every time, like, get a no gain or one-yard loss and put yourself behind the chains. And Nebraska consistently would do that where they would – They'd be moving it, moving it, a couple explosive plays, and then there would be that first down play that just netted nothing. You know, it was like I'm thinking of a second quarter drive in particular where Nebraska settled for a field goal where they look great on offense and they move it down to the 11-yard line and then almost like on schedule for what we've seen, there was a nothing gain. Then you're in a spot where you're not playing near strengths and and it it just consistently happens that way. So the O-line, as much as we think they're getting better, I still think there's work to be done there where you feel like when you get down to that area, they're they're taking over. And you didn't feel like – I understood why Nebraska threw the ball at the end when McCaffrey got picked off because I did not feel like – I don't know what you thought, Schaefer. I didn't think Nebraska was going to run it in inside the five. I thought they were going to have to do it with the pass. Yeah. Um, and so I don't actually blame the play call there that tr- trying to get a pass because um, the previous plays didn't give me a lot of confidence that they were going to run it in. So, um, you know, that's that's a worry. And then obviously the first drive set the tone. It, it, it gave you that bad signal off the bat when they move it right down the field. They have it second and three on the 28 yard line, first possession. Then there's a false start, then a holding penalty and they take themselves completely out of field goal range and uh you kind of got that feeling like okay everything we've been talking about all week is actually happening and and northwestern's the type of team that's going to do that to you too they're going to they're going to bank on you not being able to put a 10 or 11 play drive together without screwing up and a lot of teams can't do it and it's a bad formula for this particular husker team as we've seen yeah, I mean, they're they're definitely the, the team that you're betting against in that scenario that they can play mistake-free football because they just haven't shown it. And uh, you, you go back to, to saying that you felt like Nebraska wasn't going to be able to run it in. I completely agree, which is sort of what makes uh, the decision if you're Nebraska and you're at the two or whatever it was after that pass interference, which is unfortunate because even though the, the Big Ten color analyst, I don't even know who it was, Claims he couldn't see anything. Travis Vokalik's head was nearly ripped off his shoulder yeah. Yeah. on that uh, on that PI. But that was a good play. And if there wasn't the PI, he catches that for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just 
it goes to show that even if with getting the pass interference, Nebraska's bad luck still, you know, you know, stabs it in the back there. So, um, but your your first and goal from the two, I what I can't understand is this team refuses refuses to go under center in some situations and we know they can do it they did it last year at times they've done it before with success it's first and goal from the two with a primarily run heavy quarterback I just don't understand why you have to run that out of the shotgun I really don't and it got blown up and and you know no Cam Jurgens. I thought that was a huge loss for Nebraska you could see it in the middle of their offensive line today it really felt like Northwestern when they got any penetration it, it generally came from the inside and then spread out uh as, as they needed to but I I thought Nebraska had righted the ship I don't know how you felt they went up 13-7 they took the lead into halftime they kind of had an opportunity to maybe tack on a little bit there at the end but there wasn't enough time to get back into field goal range first play of the second half like a 40-yard kick return like it's just it's unfathomable to me that Nebraska remains this team that whenever they even have a decent feel for how things are going to go, they're just incapable of not tripping all over themselves. I, I don't know how you change that mindset or how you get past it, because at this point, it just feels like that's baked into who they are. Yeah, it's a tough thing to dissect because what we're talking about, and I'll, I'll play an optimistic part tune here for a second it's not like it's complete trash you know what I mean it's not like we just watched Nebraska get out yarded 500 to 215 and you lose 42 to 10 against Northwestern that it's this continual like it feels like Nebraska is better than uh than the scoreboard but yet but now it's it's like so consistent that you have to say they're not you know it's like they're, they're good at accumulating yards and actually winning some games statistically, but not uh, where it counts. And, uh, you know, I mean, next week it's Penn State, and I, it's on them. Maybe a miracle will happen when we post this, but they're losing 35-7 to seven to, to Maryland right now. They're going to be 0-3, and so you're going to have two winless teams, you know, kind of fighting for their scrapping um, to get above the water next week. But uh, – it, it, it is frustrating. What's hard, too, is the defense actually did a lot of encouraging things. Yeah, so, so you kind of want to throw your darts at the offense, and they deserve it. But then the defensive side, I know it wasn't perfect, but Miles Farmer looked good. Luke Reimer looked like a stud in his first start. I mean, he was all over the place. There was a lot of good stuff happening with the defense, and they're playing the run pretty well. Eric Chenander's group through the first two weeks – um, probably deserves better results than they've gotten. I'd say that. Yeah, well, they, they've they done what they, they've needed to do for the most part, and they certainly did, did it in this game. I mean, I, we talked about this before the season started. I felt pretty strongly Nebraska needed to be scoring in the 30s in Big Ten play, and if they gave up around, you know, 26 points, they were going to win some games. They gave up 21 today, and they only they've only scored 30 points in their two games this season. And if you go look at the numbers, you can't understand yardage wise per play wise, how they've only scored 30 points. It doesn't make sense. And one of the things that if you're going to take some positive out of this game, 
One of the things you have to like, Marcus Fleming, five catches, 75 yards. Uh, Xavier Betts only had two catches for 17 yards, but it's great that he was out there and he had those catches. It's great that Luke McCaffrey was going to him with the ball. In crunch time. Uh, Cade Warner had two catches for 13 yards, and Levi Falk had one catch for six yards. I I think Nebraska and Nebraska fans are, are largely at the point where they're they're kind of done with this. Like those guys, if they're going to play, if they're going to get the bulk of the snaps, you need more than three catches and 13 or 19 yards. And then you throw in, uh, you throw in Wyatt Luer, who had a, a first down on his hands. You got to catch that ball. It was, it was one of the few good passes Adrian Martinez threw all day. And so uh, I just, I look at a Northwestern team that, you know, they don't, they don't have a lot of stars. Their their leading receiver had four catches for 33 yards. Their leading running back, you take away his 41 yard run, he ran 17 times for 48 yards. I mean, they're they're a competent team. Nebraska has more talent. This isn't a talent thing anymore. It's it's not. Scott Frost needs his guys. No, Scott Frost needs to figure out how to put his guys in better positions to be successful and to put points on the board. And yeah. if you didn't have Miles Farmer picking off that pass. I'd be very curious if Nebraska would have scored a touchdown at all today. Yeah, and and Frost said that after the game. He said he's got to put them in position to, um, you know, make it cash out where where is needed. Let, let before we go, we should talk about the big. I mean, the big conversation now is going to be QB. Um, I felt like probably as big as any play in that game was Adrian's throw, which was late. He. I think it was it Austin Allen he was going yeah. for in the end zone. Uh, looked like he was momentarily open. Didn't have a ton of separation. I didn't think it – and when he let that go, you could – I mean, easier said than done from watching on the screen, but you could tell it was going to be a pick all the way. And just a mistake you can't afford right there. Um, you know, when really you have – it was 14 to 13 yep. at the time, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And so at the very least, you know, you're, you're kicking a field goal and maybe taking the lead right there. And it feels different going into the final quarter. And was that the play that, that moved us on to a new era? I don't want to, you know, we'll see. Um, Luke played well. Um, and there was a better tempo. Of course they were playing in desperation mode when he was in the game. Uh, Dedrick Mills though said he noticed the increase in tempo and getting the snaps off quicker with Luke. Um, Luke obviously can burn you with his feet. He threw it pretty well. There is still some, you know, he's got to get control of a few things too. He had the bad, you know, throw those pick, but also fumble to snap and some of that stuff. So it's not like it was just spotless with, with Luke either. Um, but you kind of got the sense that maybe, maybe there was a shift there, um, that could go into next week. What did, <laughs> if anything, did Scott Frost attribute their inability to get the ball to Wandale Robinson too? I mean, this was a guy who carried this team in this game last year and he had four catches for 32 yards. And I, I want to say the longest of those came at the end of the game when Nebraska was trying to, uh, trying to, to go down and, and tie it. I mean, I just, I, I don't understand why this, this offense has such a tough time getting the ball in the hands of its playmakers. And yet, we're, we're having that conversation, you know, almost every game. He didn't say, I mean, he didn't dive deep into that. He said flatly, we've got to get Wandale the ball more. He did say that. I think he ended up with four catches. Two of them came on 
uh, the final possession. And I'll say something, you might not even agree with this, but I've kind of come to this conclusion. It's a shortened season as it is. You know, you're going to play eight games at the most. I am not against moving Wandale to get some snaps as a running back. Not like they used it where you beat him up and run him into the dam like they did necessarily against Illinois last year. But I wouldn't mind some of that with him just as a way to get him some touch. I just think he's that good with the ball in his hand. And somehow you've got to get get him some 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 room to operate and give him the football. Now, a couple of those things, which were basically extended handoffs or short throws that the quarterback just didn't make. There was at least one or two throws where they were trying to get it to Wandale and it's a very simple pitch and catch and the throw was off the mark. And so we don't even know what Wandale would have done in those situations because he never got the ball. And that's where your QB, I mean, you gotta, you gotta function those layups and right now they're not. Yeah, I I agree with that entirely. Um, you know, I don't want to see him lined up and taking 15 carries a game kind of thing, but, you know, where's the jet sweep? Where's the uh, – how do you not just, like, throw him back there in the backfield at running back for a play? I mean, they started the game on that first drive. I don't know if you remember, but they had Mills and Wandale, and they were faking, and, you know, they were doing some different stuff, and then that just disappears. I, I think one of the most damning things about Scott Frost is that he's not very good at adjusting to the game flow. He's not particularly good at adjusting when the game gets away from him uh, or, you know, to, to try to work guys back into this thing. I, I have been, and look, there's, I think, more than enough evidence for this. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn 26 games into his time at Nebraska. They really struggle with in-game adjustments. And I, I thought it was a big step for him to put Adrian – or excuse me, yeah, well, to put Adrian Martinez on the bench and to put Luke McCaffrey in. I didn't know if he had that in him. I thought that was a big step for him as a coach. Um, I'm very curious where that takes things with this team going forward. I don't know if it necessarily means that Adrian Martinez is, is going to be on the bench against Penn State. Uh, but, you know, maybe, maybe that was a big moment for Scott Frost too because it kind of feels that way for me because – as the game goes on, I don't know if he's giving Nebraska a big advantage anywhere from the coaching sidelines. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll see as this goes on. I mean, you do have to remember they've got, they've got a lot of young players on the perimeter and we knew it, it's easy when we talk about it in the summer and then it's not as easy to watch it play out. Like I kind of knew that with wide receiver, it was going to be a deal where, you'd see some guys gradually get in and then maybe by the third or fourth, fifth game, there would be a big part of the rotation. And so I'm not altogether surprised um, that it's happened like that at like wide receiver, for example. Um, I do think if you, if you want hope on the horizon, I like the fact that, you know, not only did they make a, a tough QB switch, which isn't easy to do, you know, they had, Marcus Fleming and Xavier Betts on the field at the end, trying to win them the game. You know, they were trying to pull it out of the fire with a couple of the true freshmen. So they had sort of moved by the end of the game toward the, the new crop of guys to say, what can you do for us here? And uh, maybe too little too late, but if you're looking at it in a big picture sense, it's never too late. I mean, that these are guys who are going to be a big part of this program for years to come. So the fact that Marcus Fleming had a 75 yard day, 
and Betts is on the board now with some catches. That is stuff you can build off. And I think we always got to remember that there's a big picture outlook to this. Uh, but yeah, I mean, within the game, they got to, they got to prove that they can do the little maneuvers that put you over the top. And that's, st- that's still a question. And that's, that's fair for people to ask about until, until they get over the top. And I think, I think those guys over there know that too. I mean, you know, Scott Frost knows what the expectations here are at Nebraska. And I th- he was wearing that, that defeat hard and he will wear these defeats hard. Cause it, I mean, he's a guy who, uh, you know, lives and dies with this program and has for a long time. So they're, I, they're going to try everything they can to fix this. Uh, the good thing is they're not complete trash. I know that sounds bad to just say that, but it's not like they're, it's not like they're just getting smoked, you know, 75% right. of the plays they're winning more than losing. They just got to figure out a way to win those four to five plays that turn the, turn the tide for you. You know, the last time they're in this uh, situation looking for a win, taking a tough loss in Evanston, they turn around and they beat up Minnesota pretty good at home. Do you think returning to home next weekend, I don't know what they're going to get from Penn state, but do you think just being able, you're playing at home, you're not on the road, you know, situations maybe a little bit more normal. I, I may, I'm just grasping at straws here, but do you think that can help them at all? Um, I don't know. And I don't know what Penn state's going to, like what their mindset's going to be. Like I said, they're still down 35 to seven. There's 12 minutes left in that game. So people can see what the final score ends up, but they're probably going to be 0 and three. And who saw that coming? That was like a top 10 team to start the year. Um, so, I mean, Penn state strikes me as a program that they're not just going to go in the tank. I think they're going to play with desperation. So I don't, I don't expect Penn state to roll over by any means, but, uh, the, the fact is you're going to have two programs, two blue blood programs that there's going to be a lot of questions being asked about little things that are maybe not going right. And they're going to, they're going to have to deal with a lot of uh, kind of gray clouds over them this week as they get ready for this game. All right, Brian. Hey, thanks for your uh, time as always here with the post game. Let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. People can check out all of our coverage at Husker 24 seven. We're handing out game balls. We're giving a report card. BC gave us fast thoughts. He's going to have another great column. I'm sure that'll run sometime on Sunday. And uh, we have plenty of post-game coverage as well. You got a story you want to plug, Brian? Well, we got, I mean, we got a ton of stuff already up from the game and all of Frost's comments are up and yeah, we'll have the breakdown tomorrow with, with more as you kind of watch it back again. Um, so, I mean, all through the weekend, we're going to have stuff. And uh, I know people are down in the dumps. I get it. There's a lot of questions to be asked and they got to answer them. I would say in a big picture sense, there's, there's some positives under that. If you look, you know, at the defense and some things. So I think people need to hang with it and see if this team can figure it out. You knew this was going to be a weird year. Can they write the ship here? Uh, Cause they've got some true adversity in front of them right now. All right. Hey, Brian, appreciate your time. We will be back with more podcasts from Husker 24 seven probably as early as Tuesday next week as we get you ready for the Penn State game. And if Nebraska can get on the board, we have a W in 2020.